You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the Locked On SEC podcast. On today's show, we will talk all things LSU with our buddy Matt Moscona from the Locked On LSU podcast. The reigning national champs have a lot of question marks heading into this year with all the pieces that they lost from last year's title game. We'll also continue our SEC West preview with our buddy John Neighbors from the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. We'll talk all things Arkansas with him, what to expect from Sam Pittman in year one over in Arkansas. And we'll also go around the conference, give you some of the latest tidbits as some of the coaches and players speaking to the media today ahead on game week as uh, we continue on preparing for an SEC uh, schedule. I'm your host, Chris Gordy, and I'm excited. It is game week. Make sure you are locked and subscribed to Locked On SEC. Five days a week, we're here talking all things about the Southeastern Conference, so you want to make sure you're subscribed, getting the fresh episodes when they are available each and every single day. All right, let's jump right into it. Let's go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Makes the handoff. What a catch! Around the conference. We'll start things off with Vanderbilt. Adam Sparks, who covers Vandy for the Tennessean, said today Vandy is keeping its best tackle, Tyler Steen, on the right side of the line, and a freshman will start at left tackle. Uh, That is the blind side for a right-handed quarterback, Danny Clark is a left-handed quarterback. So many have assumed in recent days that Ken Seals would be the starter this weekend. Vandy has yet to name a starter, but signs may be pointing to Danny Clark being the starter as he is a left-hander, left-handed quarterback for Vandy. The Florida Gators, they report eight new positive cases, including three COVID cases on the football team after 444 total COVID tests within the last week. Florida appears to be containing that outbreak that shortly followed students all returning to campus, but something to continue to monitor for the Florida Gators. Speaking of the Florida Gators, not SEC related, but UCF quarterback Dylan Gabriel, who a lot of people are putting on the Heisman watch list this season after their win against Georgia Tech last weekend, Gabriel said, quote, we are the best team in the state of Florida. So Andrea Adelson, who works for ESPN, went to the ESPN Stats and Info Group and asked, are they? And what the Stats and Info Group found was on a neutral field with equal rest, UCF would be favored by 1.3 points over the Florida Gators. So let the Florida Gator fans out there uh, trash talk commence between them and the UCF fans. But UCF, they called themselves national champs a couple years ago, and they are still beating their chest thinking, They're the best team in the state of Florida this year. The uh, Ole Miss Rebels, according to SI Rebels reporter Nathaniel Gabler, redshirt freshman quarterback Grant Tisdale has been simulating Florida quarterback Kyle Trask for Ole Miss ahead of their matchup this week at practice. And apparently at one point in Saturday's, quote, mock game, Lane Kiffin completely halted play as Tisdale was picking apart the first-team Ole Miss defense. Again, media is not allowed to practice because of COVID, so that's just according to sources. But one thing to keep an eye on, if their Fredshirt freshman quarterback, Grant Tisdale, is picking apart the Ole Miss defense, what do you think Kyle Trask is going to do? Over in South Carolina, wide receiver Jalen Brooks, who transferred in from Tarleton State, 
has been awaiting word from the NCAA if he would be eligible this season. The NCAA has denied Brooks's waiver to play this year. South Carolina is currently appealing the decision, but don't expect him to be on the field this Saturday against Tennessee. Over at Auburn, head coach Gus Malzahn said his right tackle, Brodarius Ham, is, quote, probably as strong as any offensive lineman we've had come through here in a long time. That is something to note because they have had a lot of good offensive linemen at Auburn. And also this guy's name, Broham, is probably the best name in all of college sports. One other note from Auburn quarterback Bo Nix has a current streak of 191 consecutive pass attempts thrown without an interception. He is second nationally, only behind Clemson's Trevor Lawrence. Something to keep an eye on for Bo Nix, who was very sharp with the football a year ago. Over at LSU, their running back Chris Curry came out and said today, quote, I feel like I have to prove myself this game. Tigers play host to Mississippi State this weekend. Coach O has said they will use a bevy of backs. Chris Curry will get the start, but he's saying he's going to make the most of his opportunity. So one thing to keep an eye on this Saturday. And over at Tennessee, Eric Gray asked about being on the field with fellow running back Ty Chandler. He said, quote, we are a dynamic duo. You have to account for both of us. We are two different types of backs that can affect the game in different ways. I think a lot of all fans are excited to see the two-headed monster that the Volunteers have in Eric Gray and Ty Chandler this season. That is around the conference. Coming up next, really excited. We're going to talk all things LSU and the reigning national champs with our buddy Matt Moscona of Locked on LSU next. Look, let's face it. When you need something for your car, a lot of times we always feel like, oh, it's just easy. Let me just run to, to the chain store across town and go get what I need and walk up and down the aisles and then got people pestering me. Hey, can I help you find what you're looking for? And then half the time they don't even know where to find it. They got to go type it into the computer to find the part. Save yourself the hassle. Go to rockauto.com. They will find what you are looking for for your vehicle. They are a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years rockauto.com the place to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers they have everything that you need we talked about it before brake parts tail lamps motor oil even new carpet whatever you're looking to do whether it's a new car car an old car a classic whatever you need for your car rockauto.com has all the parts available for your car or truck when you go there make sure you write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices and all the parts your car is ever going to need save yourself the hassle rockauto.com Rolling on here on the Locked On SEC podcast, going all around the SEC West this week as we count it down to kickoff on Saturday. It is officially SEC game week, and today we catch up with our buddy Matt Moscona from the Locked On LSU podcast, talking all things LSU Tigers, the reigning national champs. Matt Moscona, what's going on? Gordo, what's good, man? Glad to be talking football. Yeah, it's uh, I, I got to give you props, man. The the video that's from your show last week that was making the rounds on social media, uh, ranting on Christine Brennan and and others in the media. Uh, I had friends from all around the country who were texting me saying, hey, "Do you know this guy? This is awesome!" So uh, props to you, man. <laughs> well, they all deserved it, and uh, I think it needed to be said. And I'm glad the people who heard it heard it, and seems to have been well received. So sometimes you got to. Sometimes you got to raise your voice to make your point. It's kind of like your parents say. It's not always what you say, it's how you say it. And uh, that, that needed to be said a certain way. 
are, are you a little bit surprised that some of these other conferences are now, you know, coming back to the fold and going, well, maybe we can play football? No, I'm not surprised because they're all cowards. <laughs> That's the whole point, Gordo. That's the whole point. They're leaderless sheep. They're cowards. They all made preemptive decisions based on nothing. They're they're all gutless cowards. And now, because everyone else went counter to them and had the audacity to do it, they're all getting back in line because of immense pressure from parents and players and coaches and admins and the president of the United States. So these cowards did what cowards do. You just, you fold. You're not convicted about anything. You just, you're like a jellyfish. You float on the whims of the water. It's just, anyway, all right, you got me started again. No, I'm not surprised. (laughs) Even UMass is playing again. Right. God bless, at least UMass in their statement said, well, we noticed other teams were making it work, so we figured we could too. At least they had the balls to admit it. Very true. Uh, let's talk about the uh, national champs. I know uh, Coach O spoke with the media yesterday for his first official game week presser. It started to actually feel like game week with seeing all the SEC coaches talking yesterday. Uh, anything of note you took away from what Coach O had to say? Probably. I, it was so funny to see the headlines pop up. Ed Ogeron has chosen Joe Burrow's successor. Like anybody <laughs> didn't know Miles Brennan, who's waited four years, was going to be the guy. But I guess that became notable. Um, a lot of people around here have been wondering if Tyler Shelvin might might opt back in. He's a big defensive lineman who opted out a couple of weeks ago. I, I had not heard anything of the sort of him opting back in. Ed Ogeron kind of confirmed that. So, you know, I don't know that there was anything super notable. Probably just the challenge of preparing for Mississippi State because, you know, to look at Mike Leach's scheme, they had to go watch Washington State film. To look at Zach Arnett's defensive scheme, they had to go look at San Diego State film. To look at K.J. Costello, they had to go look at Stanford film. And to look at the rest of the Mississippi State personnel, they had to look at state film from a year ago. So they really had to, to scout like four different teams from a year ago to try to make sense out of a game plan for what this Mississippi State team might look like. So in a COVID year, that just presents a, another kind of strange challenge as LSU kind of pushes off from the dock here Saturday. You, you mentioned Miles Brennan, and there's a lot of talk of how good he can be, so I'll pose it to you this way. If you were ranking the 14 SEC quarterbacks going into this weekend, where would you put Miles Brennan? He'd be in the top five, and I don't know that it's a huge compliment to Miles Brennan as much as it is a, a commentary on the, state, on the state of quarterbacks and what the expectation should be in the SEC. I mean, Kyle Trask at Florida – Kellen Mond at George, at, uh, at Texas A&M, I mean, that's your two most experienced quarterbacks in the SEC. And then you kind of have to go to Felipe Franks, who's transferred to Arkansas. I mean, that's kind of it. You know, I mean, respect to Terry Wilson at Kentucky, but, I mean, they kind of put a, a, a receiver in his place last year when he was injured, and they did okay. So, you know, I mean, Brennan's a guy that stuck around for four years. You know, he's a four-star Elite 11 guy. He's physically gotten himself to where he looks like an SEC quarterback, 6'4", 6'5", 218. He's got a big arm. We always knew that. Um, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd take Miles over a lot of the other guys in the SEC who are trying to figure out their quarterback position as well. You know, I was, I, I've was i been high on Bo Nix, but after I went back and watched 
some film on him last year. I'm like, well, he was freshman of the year, but man, he had a lot. He had as many bad moments as he had good moments. So uh, I just noticed you didn't mention his name, and people are very high on him. But I, the more and more I started to look at, I'm like, well, he's got to get a lot better this year, and his offensive line got a lot worse. I I think Brennan over Nick's and still a young guy. I know having had the opportunity to learn and to let the game slow down. For Bo last year was trial by fire, and of course he was going to win freshman of the year. When you're a when you're a true freshman starting a quarterback in the SEC, that's just going to happen by default. And and I think he could be a really good player. Don't misunderstand. But if you ask me which of the two I take this year, like without hesitation, I would take Brennan over Nick's. Talking with uh, Matt Moscona, locked on LSU. Uh, how much will Jamar Chase opting out hurt the offense, or is it simply next man up because we know they got a lot of talented guys behind them? So I think. Look, if, if you're being honest with yourself, you're an LSU fan, there's no way you could argue that LSU is better without Jamar Chase than they are with him. I mean, he he tilted the field. You know, when he was on the field, obviously, teams had to kind of pick their poison. Are you going to play Chase man coverage? Because if you do, that's a disaster. I mean, even a, a first-round pick like A.J. Terrell from, from Clemson got toasted in the national championship game when they were playing him man on Jamar. It, just, it doesn't work. So you can play numbers, but then you leave other guys open. And that's really where LSU would hurt teams. Like, look at Oklahoma in the in the semifinal. They decided to double Jamar Chase, and that left Justin Jefferson one-on-one, and he scored four touchdowns and had, like, 270 yards. It's <laughs> ridiculous. But that, so that's, like, that's sort of the impact not having Chase. Like, the guy who's going to be the number one now is Terrace Marshall, and – Terrace Marshall is a legitimate number one. I mean, he's a 6'3", 215-pound, former five-star who had 13 receiving touchdowns a year ago. Gordo, to put this into perspective, Terrace Marshall's 13 touchdown receptions last year broke the LSU single-season receiving touchdown record, and he was third on the team. (laughs) I mean, three guys broke the single-season record last year. Wow. That's how absurd the offense was. But Marshall is a legit number one. But my point is, now the question is, do you have the the depth? Like, do you have the next guy, if teams decide to double Marshall, do you have the next guy that can do what Justin Jefferson did a year ago? And that's what remains to be seen. And that's that's the biggest impact of Chase's opt-out. Because if I had Chase Marshall 1-2, that's as dynamic a 1-2 as anybody in the country, including Alabama. (laughs) So... Now that you don't have Chase, I know Marshall can be a guy. What about the next guy? That's the question. Uh, defensively, a little bit of a different look this year. What will be the biggest difference with Bo Pelini running the defense over Dave Aranda? Attacking instead of letting the offense dictate tempo. I don't think there's any question that Ed Ogeron is from a 4-3. I mean, look, Ed played defensive line. He's a defensive line coach by trade. He wants defensive linemen that are fast, physical, aggressive, that attack. That's not what Dave Aranda did. If Dave Aranda ran a 3-4 where he wanted his defensive linemen taking up space and he wanted fast athletic linebackers running all over the field making plays. And so that's why you saw Caleb Monchasson and Patrick Queen and Jacob Phillips and guys like that. This, this is not going to be that. This is going to be physical linemen winning one-on-ones and beating double teams and harassing the quarterback. And that, that's what Ed wants, and that's what it's going to look like. I mean, it, it's going to be focused more on 
the defensive linemen instead of the linebackers, and that's going to be a change from what we've seen in Baton Rouge for the last four years. Uh, I'm curious your thoughts on the schedule and the limited fan attendance. You know, as we know right now, most of the stadiums are 20 to 25 percent capacity. We'll see if that changes as the season rolls along. But you know, when I look at LSU having to go on the road at Florida, playing host to Alabama. Does it maybe, like in other words, does it make it less daunting for Miles Brennan to go on the road at the Swamp with not many fans there? And on the flip side, does LSU maybe lose that home field advantage playing Alabama and Baton Rouge with not as many fans there? Yes and yes. I I don't even think that that's a question, and I think that's been proven out so far early on in the NFL and college football seasons with limited attendance. It just it matters. I mean, of course it matters. Now that said, the, the last two times that LSU's played Alabama in Baton Rouge, they've scored a grand total of zero points. So, and that, that was with 102,000 people going, going bonkers. So just because you have a crowd doesn't mean that, that it's, it's something that's impossible for an opponent to overcome. Uh, and likewise, LSU went to Tuscaloosa last year and won. But I, there's, there's no question that the, the home field advantage has been, has been muted. Um, you know, I would say the thing that might be the bigger impact now is just how travel goes in a COVID world. Like, do teams change up their road schedule? Like, will will some teams travel on game days so as not to expose their teams to hotel rooms and all the other variables? Like, those are the types of things that, that could make a bigger difference for a team traveling as opposed to a team playing at home. Matt Moscona locked on LSU. Last thing for you, Matt. I've uh, been asking everybody this. If you had to put money on one player from the SEC to win the Heisman this year, who would you put your money on? Um, it's, it's impossible for me to, to, bet, to bet anyone other than a quarterback. And so I'd probably look at either Mac Jones or Miles Brennan because I think those are the only two that would have a legit shot in the offenses they run to put up the stats and have the team success as well. Um, I'd probably go Mac Jones, um, which doesn't feel like a smart play, but I think it, it would be the only one. <laughs> if you wanted to take a flyer, maybe I'd give you Derek Stingley, but I don't think anybody's voting for a defensive back for, for the Heisman. So, um, yeah, that's what I'll go with. <laughs> it's just, what does everybody else say? Uh, you know, Najee Harris has been one a lot of people have said just because they think Alabama's going to run the crap out of the ball. Um I don't know. I mean, it's been, you know, some, some people are high on Trask. If Florida's undefeated and he's playing well, maybe he has an outside shot. But I, I don't know. It's such a wonky year, Matt. Like, it feels like it's Trevor Lawrence right now, right? Yeah, but it felt like it was, like, we've done that so many times. Like, last year, it felt like it was Tua. And then Joe Burrow throws for 60 bleeping touchdowns and wins the war the biggest landslide. I mean, you, know, you can you can have that conversation really every year where you go back and you look at who was the preseason odds on favor to win it. And rarely does that person actually win it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's more likely that somebody is going to step up and have a, have a big year that we're not talking about. That's going to win that award. I know you already have a great following with the uh, locked on LSU podcast, but let our listeners know what you got uh, coming up this week as it's game week. Yeah. Just spending the week previewing LSU, Mississippi state. Um, it, it's kind of cool that, now that you're into game week, you get all of the game week availability, right? So we get Ed Ogeron on Monday and then player availability on Tuesday and then the SEC teleconference Wednesday. Ogeron meets with the media post-practice Thursday. So just you have a, a 
it's it's more of just a deeper dive into into a game week, which is really fun to do for for people that that follow teams so closely to be able to kind of follow them every step of the way throughout game week to Saturday. He is Matt Moscona, Locked On LSU Podcast. Great stuff, man. We'll do this again real soon. All right, Gordo. See you, man. Matt Moscona with the Locked On LSU Podcast. Coming up, we will go up to Arkansas and talk with John Neighbors, Locked On Razorbacks. We'll get the preview with him, and hopefully those Razorbacks don't go 0-10 this year. Is it possible? We'll discuss that next. Our SEC West preview week rolls on here on the Locked On SEC podcast and having a lot of fun this week getting into it, talking all about the SEC West leading up to the first slate of games on Saturday for the SEC. And I know this guy's got to be excited that it is SEC game week, that we finally get to talk some actual SEC football. Our buddy John Neighbors from the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. John, what's up, man? Man, I can't wait. Four days away from Razorback football, just an SEC football in general. I mean, this is the time we've been waiting for so long, man, and it's upon us. It's a great day. Now, i got to ask you, because every year when I see, at least the last handful of years, when I've seen you at SEC Media Days, it's been this, like, just kind of depressed kind of, look, I love I love the Arkansas Razorbacks, but, man, this is going to be a brutal year. you got to feel at least a little bit of optimism now with Sam Pittman at the helm. Yeah, I mean, most people do. I do, at least. And I don't know if it's optimism or just a, a matter of, well, it can't really get any worse than what it was last <laughs> couple of years. You know, it's like you, you could not have asked or seen a worse SEC team, at least in my lifetime, than what Arkansas was the past two seasons. I mean, it was just unbelievable how bad they were. But uh, you mentioned with, with Sam Pittman, it's just I think people are excited because it seems like He's at least a guy that's competent, guy that's coached in the SEC, even though he's never been a head coach. But honestly, I think what's made people more excited than anything is his staff. I mean, he's hired a phenomenal staff, as good of a staff as you could have when it comes to guys uh, that are in the SEC and had SEC experience and uh, guys that uh, obviously are trying to prove themselves to become head coaches later down the road as well. So there's a lot of optimism, but again, I think it's just (laughs) – it couldn't get any worse, so let's just hope they can uh, get at least a little better and not go over once again. Well, let's go there because I do really like the, the two coordinators that he hired in Kendall Bryles and Barry Odom. Uh, what kind of impact do you think both those guys are going to have this season? You know, that's the ultimate question. I honestly believe, though, that uh, with what's going on with uh, the defense, on for, that, for instance, on that side of the ball, the defense has been always the problem for Arkansas over the past few years. Sometimes they've had really good offenses, but defense has always been the kicker. And this year, it seems like with what Barry Odom has to work with, they have a lot of young talent, especially in the secondary. Guys that were highly recruited coming out of high school, four-star type players. Uh, the problem is they don't have depth, but they have talent, and it's young talent. And I think uh, a lot of people are just hoping that Chad Morris and his staff were just so incompetent that they didn't know how to coach talent. <laughs> and hopefully that, that could be something that uh, Barry Odom and this staff can do. But he, I think he's going to be a really huge turnaround. You can already see some differences just in the way the guys are talking and the guys are, have been practicing. And the offense, I think that that's where people are most excited about because you have Felipe Franks being inserted, which, you know, he's not, maybe not the greatest quarterback ever, but he's certainly an upgrade from what Arkansas has seen over the past few years. You got him. 
You got Rakeem Boyd, who is a phenomenal running back, arguably one of the best running backs in the SEC. You got two young stud wide receivers and Trey Knox and Traylon Burks that are going to be big. You got a former five-star tight end, Hudson Henry, that's going to be making his start this year. It's going to come down to the offensive line. Can they piece together enough play, uh, people there? But luckily for Arkansas, they have arguably the best offensive line coach in the country as their head coach, and that's Sam Pittman. So the excitement arrives with the offense, but the biggest turnaround most people feel like will be with the defense. I said on the show yesterday, I'm not high on Felipe Franks just because I wasn't a huge fan of him before. And, he, he, you know, I could make the argument he had more talent around him at Florida, and he's kind of taken a step down talent-wise with, with Arkansas. But it does give me hope with Kendall Browse, a guy who is, you know, you look at his career. He's, he was at FAU uh, coaching with Lane Kiffin. He went to University of Houston. Then he was at Florida State with Willie Taggart. And now at Arkansas, I just think this is one of the young, bright minds, you know, offensive minds out there. And he's going to at least bring some creativity to this offense that maybe Chad Morris has lacked the last couple of years. Yeah, I think that that's what most people think. Because, uh, again, nobody's expecting Felipe Franks to set the world on fire. But can he just be a quarterback that doesn't turn the ball over? Because that was their problem more than anything at the quarterback position. They had guys that would throw uh, picks, or in the case of Ben Hicks last year, they called him Pick Six Hicks because he was really good at throwing pick sixes. And that can be so detrimental, as we all know, in any game. And so Felipe Franks just needs to be a guy that under Kendall Bryles just protects the ball He's able to be a little more athletic with his legs. He's able to make people pay with it. He's got a heck of an arm. I mean, he can throw it a mile. So, But he just needs to be okay. He doesn't need to be great. He doesn't need to win the games on his arm and be you know, Patrick Mahomes out there. He just needs to be solid, competent, a good leader, and not make mistakes. And I think that that's exactly what Arkansas and Kendall Browse are hoping to see out of it. One of the few bright spots on offense last year was Rakeem Boyd. Uh, 1,100 yards, eight touchdowns. He is a senior. He is back. Uh, what kind of season are you expecting for Boyd? I'm expecting a big year. I, I think that if Rakeem Boyd was able to do that under uh, the circumstances last year with the lack of coaching and the lack of offensive identity and all that, just imagine what he has able to do with a guy like Kendall Bryles who has a lot of creativity and also uh, an offensive line coach with Brad Davis and Sam Pittman that's going to be able to open holes up for him a lot easier. I just think – that, you know, will he go for a 1,000 yards? I don't know. It's a 10-game season, and as we know, Arkansas has arguably the most difficult schedule in the history of college football. So I don't know if he'll go for a 1,000, but he's definitely going to be the bell cow for this offense, and I think that uh, he's going to really be able to help out Felipe Franks by alleviating some of that pressure on him and open up the passing game as well. But I think Rakeem Boyd is going to have another great year. I'm hearing he's even looking better in practices and looking faster and stronger and and more motivated than ever because he knows this is his last hurrah. And if he wants to make it into the NFL, he's really going to have to show up this year. What did you make of how the schedule falls for you guys? I mean, you, you look at two of the first three games now, top ten teams in, in Georgia this weekend and then Auburn in two weeks. Look, you go ten games in the SEC, it's not going to be easy, but what did you make of how it shaped up for you guys uh, for the Razorbacks? Yeah, you know, it's uh, it, was, it was pretty brutal. I mean, it's like you looked at the uh, – Looked at everything and the fact that Arkansas is already going to have a tough schedule, like even before the COVID hit, like it was going to be a tough one. But everyone was like, well, you know, their East opponents is Tennessee and Missouri, and Tennessee is, is going to be a tough one. They're kind of up and coming, but Missouri should be winnable. So they already knew it was going to be tough. So they're like, okay, so on top of that, let's give you the two best teams in the SEC East to play. <laughs> and, and Arkansas fans just kind of threw up their arms, like, hey, 
what's two more? You know, what's two more <laughs> tough games in the SEC? Why not? Why as well? I think most people just like around everywhere in college football, Racetrack fans were just happy to play. They were just happy to have a football season, and they knew this season was going to be tough no matter what. They knew that this season was going to be uh, a, a one that Sam Pittman was going to have his work cut out for him. So, you know, I mean, what's really the, what's really the difference than going playing eight tough SEC teams or ten tough SEC teams? You know, it's, it's just a matter of maybe they can show out a little bit. Maybe they can find an opportunity to upset a team because I know that you've been watching college football, and I'm not saying this will happen this weekend, but seeing how some of these top-ranked teams like Oklahoma State and how they haven't performed totally great, you know, maybe Arkansas runs into that where Georgia doesn't play great in the first week and Arkansas plays out of their minds. You know, maybe something like that can happen. But I think Razorback fans are just happy to play. Well, and we see that over the grind of a full SEC season, John. I mean, there's always, you know, like LSU, even years where they're really good, they'll play, you know, a close game with Arkansas who may not be good. And, you know, sometimes it's it's just because of that grind of the SEC schedule. So you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, you go 10 conference games this year, somebody's going to sneak up on somebody and win a game they're not supposed to. And I like what you said. Yeah, I mean, of all years, why not be first year with Sam Pittman? Look, he gets a pass this year anyway. So, you know, if you lose a bunch of games, so what? But you're right. They could absolutely play spoiler on some some teams this season and uh, and maybe put a feather in his cap uh, in year one. Let me ask you on chances against Georgia this weekend. I mean, what, what kind of chance do you give – the Razorbacks. Granted, we don't even know who's playing quarterback yet. We assume, you know, we've heard Dewan Mathis could be the guy. JT Daniels still waiting on word as of recording this podcast whether he's going to be cleared. But with the question marks there, can can Arkansas hang with Georgia? Man, I've been going back and forth on this. No, on paper, no, they should they shouldn't be able to. But I just feel like the first game of the season, Georgia's having to travel to Arkansas. You know, it's just like part of me wants to say that it'll actually here's, – here's what I think will happen. I honestly think that Arkansas will lose this game. I'm not, I'm not predicting an upset. But I think entering into the fourth quarter, this game will still be in doubt. I think that Arkansas will still be able to hang with Georgia. I'd say that they are within striking distance of Georgia. So, you know, what does that mean? I don't know. It could be 10 points. Like I could, I could absolutely see a 24-14 – Georgia lead heading into the fourth quarter. Like I feel like it's going to be that type of game where there's not going to be a lot of points. I, I think that Arkansas is going to, you know, again, not play great, but still you kind of see how the experience comes into play with Felipe Franks, with Raheem Boyd and these guys. And plus they have nothing to lose. You know, they've been losing for so long. It's kind of like I think they'll go in there with a little more comfort and saying, hey, no one's expecting us to win. You know, we, we've been bad so long, so let's just go in there and play. And I don't know. I just have this feeling that it's going to be closer than what the 24-point spread says. But I still think George is going to get the victory in the end. <laughs> he is John Neighbors. Locked on Razorbacks is the podcast. I know you just had an interview up with the SEC great running back Darren McFadden. What was that like? Oh, man, that was, uh, that was one of the coolest things ever. I mean, I've interviewed him before, but, you know, Darren's always been really good to come and help out and, and talk with people from Arkansas. He's a huge huge Razorback fan and he just loves the state and that's why he's like the all-time great for Razorback fans he's just it's one thing to be as great as he was on the field but there's this is a guy that's still like when he was in the NFL and and he was in the locker rooms he'd still wear his Razorback gear you know he'd always come back to Arkansas he'd always tweet he would never tweet but when he tweeted it'd be about Razorback sports and it was just football or basketball or baseball he's just he's just the all-time great man and to be able to talk with him and 
you know, obviously he's a, he's a guy that's been around a long time and was just a phenomenal player. It was really awesome to hear from his perspective, and he's pretty excited about Sam Pittman. You know, he hasn't got a chance to talk with him much, but he he was one of those that was not a fan, just like many of Chad Moore, so he's hopeful as well. <laughs> You're giving a lot of hope for uh... – the court now the guy running the offense for Bo Nix at Auburn this year with uh, Gus Melson with all the the glowing reports on Chad Morris, but we'll see what happens with Bo Nix this season. He is John Neighbors, uh, locked on Razorbacks is a podcast. I just downloaded it right now to go listen to the Darren McFadden interview. Can't wait to listen to that, John. Thanks so much for the time, man. Let's uh, talk again real soon. Absolutely, Chris. Appreciate it, man. As always, enjoy the weekend. All right, that is just about going to do it for today's show. Coming up tomorrow on the show, we continue our week-long SEC West preview. We'll talk all things Auburn with former Auburn quarterback Jason Campbell. You do not want to miss that. Really excited to talk with Jason Campbell. And a reminder, you can connect with me on Twitter. I am at Chris Gordy, and you can follow the show at LockedOnSEC. Be sure to subscribe and follow this podcast right now on your favorite podcast app, and you will get the latest episode of Locked on SEC as soon as it is available five days a week. And just a reminder, go check out our buddies Matt Moscono, Locked on LSU, and John Neighbors, Locked on Razorbacks. We will talk to you guys tomorrow.